0: Years ago in American baseball, they had a team who produced the Flatbush Follies. Everything they touched turned not to gold, but
1: just uh, to brass. And here it comes now, and bang! Well, that's gone straight.
0: Serious? It's only a cramp. It's not pulled or, or the muscle. But everybody's got a big smile on the face. Not with me, they don't. I think it was a very poor performance. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Hello and welcome to the Bat Munching, Ball Tampering, Backfooting Backhander's Podcast, where we bring you all the ins and the outs of the greatest game, not. Any longer tennis, but that of ashes, Test, cricket. And with me, a man whose nipples are like English pitches hard,
1: flat and lifeless.
0: It's Catters. (laughs) Catters, welcome.
1: Lightning, great to be with you. You'll notice I'm sporting a bit of a tan and that might have something to do with the fact Mm -hmm. that I'm basking in the afterglow of the all-consuming fire that just... Ripped through Baz Lightning and turned it into the aforementioned Ashes. We're celebrating the Ashes early, Lightning. And I say Baz Ball, but to be honest, it looked more like Jazz Ball Lightning. I felt like, I know I'm no connoisseur of that genre of music, but it felt to me that you had certain bowlers going on a 4-4 timing. You had the captain at 3-4. You had Johnny Bairstow. Smoking a few of the old jazz cigarettes behind the stumps, not paying attention. Everybody was on a different page and it was exactly like that cacophony that is jazz music lightning. None of it worked and it's just a massive victory for rational test match cricket.
0: Mm. It was outdated. It could have been like ballroom music or or ball ball, as I like to call it. (laughs) Uh, You know, it just, uh, it wasn't up to scratch cutters. I mean, we're hearing that basball was going to be the phenomenon that would take over world cricket and knock the Aussies flat and how could Australia possibly withstand the tirade of basball and yet Australia cutters has come out on top in a game of basball versus as it should be, Ball, Australia has won the first of this five test series, Cutters, It's amazing. Australia's 1-0 up.
1: Yeah, Lightning, in my eyes, it's 5-0, really, because <laughs> it was the test of the medal. It was the test of Baz Ball against the reality check that was mm. good, old-fashioned, hard-graft cricket. You know, it doesn't fit in a hashtag. I get that. It's not one for TikTok. <laughs> It's more one that you put on a gramophone and sit back, drink a whiskey, smoke a pipe, put your slippers up, tell your butler to go out and tell the other servants to reenact the second day's play because Lightning, it was just good old fashioned cricket the way we like it. And for me, there was just so much at stake coming into this match. So thank goodness that it was a decisive route of that. Mickey Mouse cricket that was being played by the English. I knew the moment that they produced three, four gingers that they were playing mind games. It was not going to end well for them. And then they choose to bat lightning. Classic aggression 101. First ball, Zach Crawley smacks it for four. And from that moment, I thought, we've got them right where we want them. And that's how it played out for the remaining five days, lightning. To think that we had seven overs up our sleeve at the end, two wickets in the shed, uh, notable batter remaining. It was just a little too easy. And I personally took umbrage to the fact that Captain Fantastic, Pat Cummins, who I rightfully put on notice last episode, had to whack a couple of sixes over the fence. That was a little Mm. too hasty for my liking. I would have (laughs) preferred blocking to victory. Solid as a block. (laughs) was my theme song going into this series, Lightning, and I'm sticking by it. So I felt at times we were kind of sucked into that farce that is Baz Ball. But luckily, tradition prevailed, and uh, it was a little too easy, I think you'd agree.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure you've got it. Terribly well summed up there, Cat is it has been seen as one of the greatest test finishes of the modern era. I mean, it was epic. It could have gone either way at any point. It was swaying back and forward. And when I went to bed here in Australia, we were in all sorts. We were eight down. We still need another 50 runs. And Australia stole it due to an incredible partnership between Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon. So Kat, is yes, we got over the line in the first one, but you've got to admire ball, surely i mean that was some incredible cricket a declaration on the first day after only 78 overs i mean that's the earliest first innings declaration in ashes test history when they still had their best batsman on 100 they had joe root try and reverse sweep a ball the first ball of a day they neglected to take the new ball when they could they had fielders prancing around everywhere in some of the most funky positions you've ever seen to try and extract a wicket. I mean, is surely, I know you're not a huge fan, but you must have at least been fascinated by the whole Baz phenomenon.
1: Lightning, I'm fascinated by things like medieval torture devices. I'm not... Fa- <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put Baz <laughs> In the same category, although it felt like it at times watching the way that Stokes went around basing his fielding positions on celestial constellations he'd seen the night before (laughs) while smoking some of those jazz cigarettes with Johnny Bairstow. But for me, it just exposes the fact that there's no real strategic narrative. Lightning, I think we have seen insights into what's happening in that change room for the English. Baz McCullum's doing nothing. I don't know if you saw him. It looked like Weekend at Bernie's. He was just propped up there with sunglasses. He's a puppet, Lightning. But where the real action's happening is that little eight ball orb, the physical Baz ball that they use to refer to, and they shake it for every time they need advice. So should we go, (laughs) you know, should I block the first over of the day? Wouldn't bet on it. Should I give Mo and Ali a break after 20 consecutive overs? no.
0: (laughs) Let's do it, boys.
1: Should we give Brooks a chance to learn to
0: bowl midway through the first innings? It did feel, Cutters, as though there was some kind of dark arts going on at times with some of the choices of field placings. For mine, it looked at one point like Kowaja was surrounded by six blokes within a couple of metres. It looked as though they were playing magical statues and all the fieldsmen <laughs> would just walk around until Ben Stokes would call out, Baz! And they'd all freeze where they were, ready for the next delivery.
1: Yeah, it was all over the place, lightning. And I think it just yeah. confirms death of Bazball. I want to underline that for our listeners. I want to... Wow. Tell everybody that we will not see these tactics ever used again on God's green earth because they've realized that it's an abject failure. So I expect the English to come out with 2.0 tactics, which would be Baz in the second test, whereby (laughs) they subscribe to the Catter's school of Stoicism. It'll be just Johnny from the block. From now on, what also got me lightning was the fact that we kind of somehow found ourselves as a nation not admiring Basball because you don't admire your friend who's a sociopath. But
0: I mean, I do, but that's only because I'm doing a podcast with him.
1: Are we friends? <laughs> Contractually. Okay, okay. Um, but I felt that we were somewhat seduced by this saucy mistress that is the English cricket team. <laughs> and Lightning, this seductress, told us, "Life short, play hard, this kumbaya-type mindset, easy come, easy go, you'll lose some, you'll lose some. And we kind of got drawn into that mentality, and that worries me because I felt like tactically... From a very early stage, we thought we could fight fire with fire. And there's a problem with this, Lightning. Australians are winners by nature. We don't often succumb to these cheap tactics. But we did. Mm, mm. You noticed something during the warm-up. I did. They wheeled out
0: Mitch Marsh, got him to mark out his run-up. To try and have the English assume that we'd made a late change to our lineup. Oh,
1: that ferocious speedster Mitch Marsh potentially in the bowling lineup. That would have really thrown them, wouldn't it?
0: Totally. They would have been petrified. They would have been covered in the shrapnel that was his hamstring ripping off the bone <laughs> again.
1: <laughs> I thought there was a greater chance of. Merv Hughes, who was at that point onto his fifth pint sitting amongst the Australian (laughs) tourists in the stand from starting to do some warm-ups, which also sent a shudder through the English dressing room.
0: Uh, But it did feel like a poor man's basball, as though they'd kind of read the basball handbook at a third-grade reading level, Catters, (laughs) when our most clever and threatening move was to have them fear that Mitch Marsh might be making single figures in our
1: middle order. Uh, (laughs) Was Mitchell Stark busy preparing the Gatorade for his fellow teammates at that stage? Would it have been too much to ask him to just walk out there and mark out his run-up. That might have played a few more mind games.
0: It may have. And he would have felt shattered Whereas as the bowler who just missed out, they said, and we'd like to uh, fool the English by having someone go out and pretend they're in the team. Could we have Mitchell Marsh? Mitchell Marsh, off we go.
1: Yeah, I don't remember reading the old Mitch switch as part of the Baz Ball <laughs> handbook. But again, one of those things, we just got a little bit wrong. I felt like... Paddy Cummins, a man who I rightfully was quite hard on last episode. And I cannot say enough how much my words inspired him this test match. But I felt that on the first evening, uh, abandoning the team and going out to watch what was a three and a half hour concert with Bruce Springsteen was probably not advisable, given what awaited them on day two.
0: Oh, I mean, cutters. that story is absolutely incredible. That legitimately the captain of the Australian team on night one of the first Ashes Test buggered off with his old man to watch The Boss. I mean, that is incredible. And if that's the story we're hearing, cutters, it shudders me to think of the stories that we're not hearing, of where Davey Warner and co. went on day one of... Said Ash's test.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Lightning, we haven't seen a captain break with tradition mid match like this since Border made his team in 1987 walk the Kokoda Trail after the third <laughs> session on the first day.
0: <laughs> How not to cross a border? <laughs> right.
1: It was better than the crossing marsh era of the 70s. <laughs>
0: And England skipper Andrew Strauss arrived in London, proudly showing off the little urn. And Belinda, I just can't understand how something so small can be so impressive. Well, Mark, you would know about that. Thank you very much. Cutters, it is time for our first segment, a segment we call What's Appealing? When we pause to think about what's really piqued our interest, what's weighing heavy on us as we think about the landscape of Test cricket currently, At the moment, Catters, what's appealing for you?
1: Well, Lightning, I feel like what we've just experienced with the English cricket team is one of those classic magician sleight of hand where we've been watching this mystifying card trick that is Baz Ball before our eyes and as a result have been distracted enough to forget that to win a cricket match, you need bowlers and preferably (laughs) bowlers who are able-bodied and... How this nation of cripples has managed to crawl to Edgepiston and conjure up the energy to pound the crease as many times as they needed to to get within, okay, I'll let you have it, Lightning. A tight finish at the end there is beyond me. The injury list is just phenomenal. And I feel like we're not talking about it enough. I feel like we should be focusing on the fact that they're attempting to win a test series against the world number one team mm. with essentially 10 batters and a broad, which sounds like a Humphrey Bogart film I don't want to see. <laughs> Mark Wood, injured. Joffrey Archer, chronic shoulder injuries.
0: Mm.
1: Ben Stokes, knee injury. Mm-hmm. Ian Bottom, bad case of hemorrhoids. These guys are all <laughs> sidelined. Many of them currently sitting on the bench. One of them suspiciously standing for five days. <laughs> What's the common denominator, Lightning? It's the fact that there is an Australian bowling coach suspiciously mm-hmm. sent over there by stealth. Mm-hmm. Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. What's another analogy, Lightning? Lightning. Under Cloak and Dagger. Uh, two birds,
0: one stone. Uh.
1: And this man is David Staker, the Undertaker.
0: <laughs> the Understaker.
1: Uh. They should have known from his name on the passport that this guy was Dangerous Goods and he has come in and sabotaged this English team uh. beyond belief. And Lightning, they should have been suspicious when he rocked up and the first thing he did, get the fast bowlers to replace their usual run-up to the delivery with walking over hot coals, (laughs) as well as replacing the biomechanic with a regular mechanic (laughs) who operates a pretty solid wood-fired pizza oven on the side. And they didn't benefit from that either, those fat bastards. So it hasn't taken long. (laughs) ...for the wheels to fall off.
0: <laughs> so the mechanic could then help put the wheels back <laughs> on. Exactly. <laughs> a small consolation. Well, allow me to offer my sense of what's appealing, cutters. Something that is very exciting is the fact that whilst we have a whole five test series in the space of six weeks the tv rights in australia just felt as though there wasn't enough cricket jammed into those six weeks so they fixtured the women's ashes simultaneously so whilst we've got night after night of 3 a.m bedtimes times here in australia right now as we speak the women are playing their ashes as well which is absolutely fantastic jammed in between tests one and test two for those who don't know cutters the women's australian cricket team is hailed as one of the greatest sporting teams Australia has ever produced. Their dominance in World Cups, in Commonwealth Game Medals, in every form of the game is incredible. There has been, however, a slight error made by the women's promotions team. Mm. Of course, it's a common thing as women's sport is rising to parity, is becoming seen in the way it should always have been. Often, leagues are branded with the w in front of it so there's the w nba mm. in basketball or the soccer has the w league or cricket itself has the w bbl so when it's come to the ashes they've called it the the women's ashes the washers or as it's written on paper the washers <laughs> they've called their team <laughs> the women's washers they've just set us back 60 years of women's rights <laughs> in one branding you idiots! Oh, unbelievable. It's certainly not as strong as the marketing team of the men's 1980s cricket team, who were uh, successfully branded the Mustaches. I, I thought the Merv Hughes led Mustaches was, uh, was very fitting, very fitting, but not the Washers, Cutters. Oh, Got dragged on. Excellent. At his last episode, we introduced a very important segment, our war hero and war criminal. It's uh, inspired by the war twins of Australian cricket. We had, of course, the Captain Courageous, Steve Tugger-War, whose heroics had him hailed as one of the greats, despite lacking in talent and charisma, but oozing courage and all the things we value. And, of course, then Mark Junior-War, who... Uh, Despite oozing talent, failed to deliver and hence became a war criminal in the eyes of us Australian circadders. Who this week is your war hero and your war criminal?
1: Well, Lightning, my war hero, that was an easy one. I am a huge fan of Ollie Robinson. (laughs) I feel like he's a man who we knew his character once we saw those tweets emerge over what was... You know, look. Let's face it. Anyone can make mistakes over a consistent eight-year period. <laughs> Refer to our last forty-nine tennis podcast episodes. But like us, Ollie's a new man, lightning, and like us, he's a new man that can only bowl about a hundred clicks on a flat track. But Ollie, the pie chucker, showed what I was missing from a lot of his teammates, and that was a bit of aggro. Mm. He had fire in that spacious belly of his lightning as he trundled along and he was not in any way dismayed by being walloped consistently to the boundary he had that great uh what do you call it delusion to just keep coming in pitching it up and getting whacked but ollie dear ollie lightning he had the last laugh and i love it when we see a bowler who really gets their man and then has a chance to just give him a little ta-ta-ta on the way out. Just a little, you know, I think a lot of the average listeners wouldn't understand the nuances of sledging lightning, the Mm -hmm. fact that it's often witty banter. Mm -hmm. It's just these subtle actions that take place on the pitch. Not strong enough to pull you up in front of the ICC, just enough to get a little bit of aggro out of your system. And that's what I loved Ollie when he got Kawaja out Definitely stamping his authority on that jewel when Kawaja was on 141. <laughs> and uh, a belter of a delivery. Kawaja was completely bamboozled as a. Uh, He just ran out of energy and chopped it onto his own stumps. But Ollie then proceeded to give him his marching orders, Lightning. And I thought that was great, because if there's one thing that Usman Khawaja is, he's a combative, arrogant character. He's an (laughs) unlikable man. And when those types of guys come along, you have to rise to the occasion. So Big Ollie of Sussex County, or Sucket County, as I like to call it, (laughs) told Khawaja where to go. In no uncertain terms. And that drew the ire of many pundits on the sideline. Yeah. I would say unnecessarily so. And Ollie was asked about this after the match. Mm-hmm. And then he doubled down. And I think that's what we love about our Ollie, is that what he lacks for in bowling talent, <laughs> he makes up for in EQ. <laughs> and so Ollie just went on the front foot, something that he'd invited most of Australia's top order to indulge themselves in. <laughs> And reminded us that that's something that Ricky Ponting would have done, uh, which is, yes. you know, fine. <laughs> Random, I guess, just to pick someone out of a hat. And uh, I guess he had Baz Ball on hand there and shook it. <laughs> and he told the press, you know, it's all just part of the theater of the game. And I say, yes, I agree, Ollie. There's many a time that I've rolled up to see Shakespeare in the park, only to encounter Hamlet <laughs> Telling his wife to cough, you.
0: <laughs> and NC. <MC. laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was interesting, Kat, hearing a uh, Matty Hayden describe him after this incident in which he gave a send off to Kuwaja. Uh, Matty Hayden called him a forgettable cricketer. <laughs> he said he was a fast bowler that is bowling 124K nude nuts and he's got a mouth from the south. So that's coming from Maddie Aiden, who knew a thing or two about nude nuts. So, uh
1: <laughs> lightning and Maddie's not wrong. If Ollie Robinson was in the cast of Friends, he would have been that guy that ran Central Perk Cafe. <laughs> You're not really sure if he has any acting chops or how he managed to score the gig, but you smile to yourself every time you reflect on his bit part. <laughs>
0: And, cutters, who is your war criminal?
1: Yes, Lightning, my war criminal. Joining Mark Jr. War and Paddy Cummins in that who's who of underwhelming cricketers is none other than <laughs> Moen <and> Alley. <laughs> now, admittedly, I haven't had the experience of being called up two years into retirement to. Pull on the baggy blue and attempt to bowl at an elite level. But I was disappointed by Ali's form through this test match, Lightning. Right. I'm sure when he was asked by Ben Stokes whilst undertaking another firewalking ritual (laughs) with the understaker, he probably wasn't expecting to have to bowl 20 to 25 overs a day. Uh, And let's just say, Lightning, he wasn't what I would call match fit. Now, it's a low bar for English bowlers to find themselves getting on high rotation as a bowler. But Mr. Ali just didn't quite hack it. He didn't quite have the chops. And you can look at it from a number of different levels. Lightning, mentally, I think he was definitely on. But physically, he was struggling. It just felt like we saw him go from a finger spinner to trying to just land it on the pitch with what was nothing more than a nub of an arm remaining. Uh, It was quite sickening just to watch his arm disintegrate, worse than the pitch in many ways, by day five. The poor guy had to apply sandpaper to his shoulder just to grip the thing whilst trying to land it down the other end.
0: It was ominous signs when he pulled out the bumper bowling ramp <laughs> a midway through the fourth day just to get the ball up the other end. <laughs> to the standing ovation of Trevor Chappell in the stands.
1: <laughs> he was a man ahead of his time, Lightning. <laughs> and just who is this saddest of a captain that just kept sending him out there? You had Moen out on the boundary trying to perform a legal act just to get disqualified and sent home.
0: It was crazy, wasn't it? He lost a certain percentage of his match fees because he used a drying agent on his hand, which in my day, we used to call that a towel. But in test cricket... uh, Drawing agent. I mean, here he is. He's tampering with his hands. And Australians use a small scratching agent on a ball and they get banned for 12 months. I mean, ridiculous.
1: Yeah, Lightning, and I love the dark arts of cheating in cricket. I think there's nothing better to spice up the game. But I couldn't help but feel that Moeen was just trying to get himself kicked off the team so that he wouldn't have to amputate what remained of a right arm. <laughs>
0: There's not many bowlers that change arms purely by necessity mid-innings, <laughs> but uh, certainly what Ali resorted to.
1: And who would have thought that this would be the summer that the spin twins from the English camp would be immortalised being root and rooted? <laughs> Lightning, who's your war hero?
0: Well, cutters for me, it was fairly obvious my war hero is none other than... Then Usman Khawaja, the people's champ. cutters. Mm. this guy took man of the match on as he carried Australia to victory. Whilst in the ICC ratings, we had the first, second and third best batsman in the world, supposedly. Most of whom made single figures for the test match. <laughs> Khawaja stunned with an amazing century in the first innings and backed it up with a gritty anchor roll with another half century in the second. He made 206 runs for the Test Match Cutters. He faced 518 deliveries and, in a very rare statistic, he batted on all five days of the Test Match. And it's only happened a couple of times in Test history. Amazing Cutters. I mean, he got us the match, essentially, just by sheer dog determination. This was a bloke who's been dropped of late. He was dropped in a previous tour of England. Now Cutters, he's now the seventh best batsman in the world. And he is an absolute legend, our Mm. Usman Khawaja. So uh, I could not speak highly enough of my
1: war hero. I agree, Lightning. He's a machine and a machine that I've dubbed the Dot Bot. And he's really playing (laughs) in the spirit of how I like my cricket. I want to be able to go out, wash the car, lend the car out to a friend, wait on my porch for that car to return, get a coffee for my friend, catch up on things. And come back and be safe in the knowledge that he has not advanced the scoring. And so for me, I doth my cap to Ollie's bunny, And keeping it topical. I mean, let's face it, Lightning, the guy's a bit of a smarmy prick, if you ask me. I mean, sure, he shakes people's hands and makes eye contact and can string together fairly eloquent sentences and is a good family man. But isn't that really just being a Brick lightning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, a very,
0: very fair takedown of one of the nicest blokes in Test cricket. And <laughs> uh, well-deserved, Usman Khawaja. And Kat for me, my war criminal. Is Johnny Bairstow, mm. the uh, supposed wicket keeper? Uh, I don't know how well he kept those wickets, because Cat is, uh, as we saw in the test match, he dropped some very significant chances. He missed some very important stumping. So this is Johnny Bairstow, a wonderful batsman for England, terrible keeper for England, Johnny <laughs> Bairstow. And so named Bear's Toe because he has feet like a hobbit. Very, very hairy toes. So after a test match in which... He was unable to catch a single ball. I think he's being renamed Johnny Bears Hands, uh, I think. So uh, so I think if he had those giant NBA novelty hands, he would have struggled to catch the ball at this test match. He was very, shall we say, poor uh, with his Bears (laughs) Hands, I believe, Cutters.
1: Are you suggesting, Lightning, he would actually keep better with Bear Hands? Is that what you're... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It couldn't be any worse than him donning the gloves. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, well, of course, the conjecture catters has been that England have one of the better keepers in the world at the moment in Folk's but is not as good a batsman as Johnny Bairstow. So Mm. they've opted to go with the better batsman and lesser keeper for the better keeper, but lesser batsman, you know. But I would wager a bet that another captain probably would have gone with folks. But, of course, it's different folks for different Stokes, you know, (laughs) like it's kind of potato patata kind of stuff. So,
1: I just don't know if Johnny's been told exactly what, keeping wicket involves like he definitely kept an eye on the wickets and they were intact <laughs> for most of the sessions so I'm just not sure that he's fully grasped what his role is or the ball on most occasions exactly apparently on day five he was thrown the Baz ball in the change rooms and cracked that as well so they weren't getting any answers in the final sessions on a strategic level thanks for nothing Johnny bare hands <laughs>
0: Brilliant this morning was Joe Root and how he just owned the game. He ran the game, he was pure quality, and he just owned that space. And just had all of this, like, we're just scratching the heads going, what do we do? Well, he's out now. he got 40. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's, Let's move on. Well, it is LBO, cutters, the last backhand opinion before we move into the second Ashes test. But a note, too, that we are mid first washers test. The women are playing currently. The old foes, Australia, usually dominating. And, you know, after day one, we thought it was same old, same old. But it's uh, it's tightened up a little, Catters, as we go to record.
1: It has lightning. We actually set the agenda for this episode to be all about how the dismal performance by the men had dripped into the ethos of the women's English cricket team. But alas, this morning, it got a little bit tight. So we're going to hold fire on completely writing off the women's English cricket team until the next episode. A little Easter egg for our (laughs) listeners to look forward to. And it's worth mentioning that as with the men's, the women's pitches have been prepared by Con the Concreter, As the curator, (laughs) it has to be the flattest track we've ever seen. It doesn't help that they're currently playing day three on center court at Wimbledon, but in hindsight, it would have been nice for the women's game to have locked down some sort of five-day maximum format. Uh, I believe it's (laughs) open-ended. So watch this space. We could be well and truly getting into double figures for the first test.
0: That's right, cutters. And as we move into this second Ashes test, worth having a little bit of a pat on the back to Nathan Lyon, who's playing his 100th consecutive test match. He's only the fifth man in test cricket history to do so. And actually, he's the first bowler. This is a guy who was plucked from obscurity cutters as a curator at the Adelaide Oval and then was pulled into the squad and became our leading spinner. I mean, this is Nathan Lyon, who's just the great maximizer cutters. So he's named Gary because that's the name of a different sportsman that's not him. It's (laughs) Gary Lyon. So let's call Nathan Gary, so the somewhat forgettable name, you know, you're not particularly memorable when your nickname is someone else's, but uh, he's been able to do what the last seven spinners for Australia couldn't, and that was
1: spin the ball and take wickets. So congratulations, (laughs) Nathan Lyon. Yes, it feels a little bit condescending to be celebrating 100 matches straight when the English can't rustle together an able-bodied spinner these days, but uh, I'm proud of our Gary. I saw that he was bringing up the ton, and I figured that was his age based on his hairline, but good on you, Gaz.
0: Oh, that's right. A bit of gas ball coming in the next test, Cutters. It is, of course, the second Ashes test. We move to Lords, the hallowed ground, one of the most famous in the world. Lots of questions. Will the Aussies make any changes? They've got multiple Mitches to choose from, and there could be other Mitches in the squad they could dig up to bypass Mitchell Stark as a potential incoming change. The English, of course, all eyes on Moen Ali. Is he fit enough? Has he learned to bowl with his non preferred hand well enough to take his place? In this game, uh, what are you looking forward to, Catters, as we enter into the second test?
1: I'm just looking forward to the comic relief of Johnny Bairstow behind the stumps, to be honest. And uh, I'm a simple man, Lightning, and the circus act that is Johnny Bear Hands is well worth the price of admission alone.
0: <laughs> oh, well said, Catters. As we farewell our listeners, we'd just like to offer an award to acknowledge some of the feats in our last test. Of course, there's baseball. We celebrate the coach of the England side, Brendan McCullum. The Australian coach is Ronnie McDonald, Andrew McDonald. So we'd like to present a McDonald's voucher because for you and I who played under 12s cricket, most kids who knock the ball around, all they had to do was do reasonably once or twice a season and the reward for getting off your butt and off your computer and having a run around was to be given a McDonald's voucher. <laughs> so you could go back past McDonald's on your way home, buy yourself a greasy bun and flop back <laughs> on the couch when you got home from the sugar rush. So hence, cutters, in this final end of the episode, we want to award a McDonald's voucher to someone who we were impressed by in the test. Who do you think we should award the
1: McDonald's voucher to, cutters? Lightning, I think we can't look any further than Usman Khwaja, just a fantastic cricketer, bit of a prick of a bloke, but we can turn a blind eye to that on this occasion (laughs) and celebrate him. I have put in a word to McDonald's headquarters, and they are keen to actually have a statue of Uzi in one of their (laughs) McDonald's restaurants. Yes, it'll be in his hometown in Queensland, local boy, He'll be standing mightily, hand aloft, telling the non-striker, there's no single there, in spite of the fact that you or I could have run three. And I think that spirit of laziness resonates with the McDonald's community. And they're even going to introduce him as a character. He will be the dot muncher, I believe. So, so kiddies, I implore you to duck into McDonald's and get yourself a McMaden on the way home next weekend.
0: Cutters, we need to leave our listeners because the second test awaits. Of course, the women's first test is in progress too. So much cricket to soak in. But of course, we'll be back after the second test to review that test and the women's ashes. But in the meantime, we are really needing you as listeners to spread the word. It's hard to find a cricket podcast when buried deep within a tennis podcast. So help people find this Ashes Test Cricket Podcast. You can, of course, in the meantime, join us through our socials on Facebook or Instagram with our handle, The Backhanders. But until then, my friends, just remember, catchers win matches and snitches get stitches.